Louisiana Eats is brought to you with support from Louisiana Fish Fry, a staple of Louisiana kitchens for nearly 40 years. Maker of batters, coatings, boils, tartar sauce, cocktail sauce, and more. Dig into homemade Louisiana flavor. From our studios in the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans, this is Louisiana Eats. I'm Poppy Tooker. Louisiana's Cajun country is easy to access from Interstate 10, where a brief off-road venture can take you into a whole new world. Author and blogger George Graham calls Acadiana home, blogging about his food adventures there weekly on AcadianaTable.com, which is also the name of his cookbook. We'll have a virtual culinary adventure with George before actually hitting the road for a visit with Chef Jared Zerang at his latest enterprise, Wayne Jacobs Smokehouse in Laplace. Generations of Bayou Cajuns have prized Wayne Jacobs on Dewey Sausage. Wait till you hear about the new things that Jared's cooking up there. Smoked hogshead cheese, anyone? Finally, we'll buckle our seatbelts for a road trip to visit the best of South Louisiana's local diners, lunch houses, and roadside stops with Alex Cook, who wrote a guidebook on the subject called Seat Yourself. So please do take a seat. I hope you came hungry for all the treats we're offering on this week's Louisiana Eats. My name is George Graham, author of Acadiana Table, Cajun and Creole Home Cooking from the Heart of Louisiana. Possessing a boundless curiosity and an enduring passion for Southwest Louisiana culture and its foodways, George Graham is a fountain of knowledge. Through his nationally recognized blog, Acadiana Table, and his cookbook of the same name, George has been spreading the gospel of Cajun and Creole cooking by sharing stories and recipes that make its culinary heritage so unique. When we sat down with George in our studio, I asked him first to describe his Acadiana table. Well, my Acadiana table is a, is a very colorful world uh, of Cajun and Creole uh, cooking. It's more than just cooking. It's more than just recipes. Uh, it's really chock full of personality. Uh, the Cajun culture is one that's steeped in tradition and steeped in uh, food ways uh, that's unlike any other in the nation. You know, I think that Louisiana specifically and Cajun Creole people are more defined by their food uh, than anything else. Uh, and it's my privilege to tell the stories uh, of those people. Now, the name Acadiana Table, of course, springs from the blog. Tell me about the blog and how that came to be. Yeah, the blog uh, began four years ago uh, and was uh, a real 
challenge for me to begin to write the stories uh, of the people that I had met over decades of living uh, smack dab in this uh, colorful culture. Uh, I'm from Lafayette, Louisiana, and the Acadian region uh, are all of the parishes that surround uh, this part of Louisiana. It's southwest Louisiana and very different than New Orleans' style of cooking, very rural uh, in its uh, cooking style, uh, very much focused on uh, farm fresh ingredients. And whatever is at hand, whatever is, uh, uh, is caught or fished or, or trapped uh, or uh, brought to, uh, to the table and to the kitchen uh, in, in a very simple way. But it's what these cooks do with the simple ingredients that's absolutely amazing. So I began writing about it and, and went live with, uh, with the blog and uh, immediately attracted a very wide audience, not only nationwide, but worldwide. Uh, who knew that they had crawfish in Finland? Uh, I certainly didn't, but I was getting comments from all over the world asking about these unique recipes. Your life in food begins at a very early age at your dad's 24-hour diner in Bogalusa. That's exactly right. Bogalusa uh, is just north of New Orleans, uh, right on the Mississippi border. So uh, it's about as far in Louisiana away from Cajun uh, country as you can get. Uh, you know, we grew up on uh, mashed potatoes and gravy and, and chicken fried steak and, and fried chicken. Uh, but when I uh, left there and moved to uh, Lafayette and to Acadiana in my early 20s, uh, it was my food wake up. It was an epiphany of uh, of really uh, seeing uh, a different side of Louisiana, uh, and I embraced it quickly. But I did grow up in a restaurant family, and I learned it uh, at an early age, and my father taught me that it was okay for a boy to stir a pot. Uh, and that really uh, ignited my creativity in the kitchen throughout my uh, younger years, teen years, into college, and then afterwards. And I've always cooked, uh, and I've been uh, a part of a cooking family that embraces it. The kitchen was always the heart uh, of our home. And then, of course, you go on to marry your beautiful wife, Roxanne, and she has her own very special culinary roots that she shares with you that we learn about in the book. Roxanne is uh, is a born and bred Cajun from Jennings, Louisiana. Uh, there are a lot of stories uh, in in the book that focus on not only her but her mother and her grandmother, uh, who grew up in the uh, area around Kinder and Kings Farm, uh, Fontenot family, a very proud family that farmed, a sharecropping family that uh, canned and preserved uh, anything and everything that they grew, uh, and there's so many wonderful. Uh, recipes and stories behind the recipes uh, that come from her side of the family. But my wife has a real special skill set, and uh, she is what I call the Rue Queen. And her wooden <laughs> spoon is her scepter, and she rules the kitchen whenever a Rue is to be made. I don't come anywhere near the kitchen on that particular time frame. Well, the cast iron pot and the rue spoon that came from her grandmother, you describe as being her dowry. That is correct. <laughs> that is correct. And she's proud of it. And believe me, she, she looks at it as more valuable than anything that money could buy. Your book and your blog give us a real trip through Cajun country. Um, even, for instance, you take us along the Boudin Trail. 
Boudin is one of those mysterious uh, uh, dishes, one of those uh, transcendental dishes that define a culture. Uh, and of all the places in Louisiana, uh, in Acadiana, there is a Boudin trail. Uh, there are more Boudin stops along this trail in every uh, grocery store, every convenience store, every meat market, every smokehouse has their version uh, of Boudin. And there's more debates. There's more squabbles that go on on who has the best Boudin. It's been known to uh, to really disrupt uh, families and marriages. Uh, <laughs> even my wife Roxanne and I differ on what makes a great Boudin. Uh, but that's the beauty of that particular dish is that uh, it's, it's getting out there and experiencing them all and beginning to really figure out what's in Boudin to be able to define what makes a great Boudin. Well, Duo's Cajun Corner must make a great Boudin because they get a special mention in your book along with their talent with smoked meat. Yeah, I'll never forget the when I pulled into the parking lot of Jean Duos's Cajun Corner uh, in the crossroads of Nuba, uh, Louisiana. Uh, when I say crossroads, it's a four-corner stop between Opelousas and Washington, Louisiana, in St. Landry Parish. Pull into the gravel parking lot, and the, and, and the dust washes over my, my truck. I get out, and there's just this uh, mix of signs. Uh, you could spend an hour just looking at all the signs live bait, uh, boudin sausage, beer, lots of beer. You walk <laughs> in the front door and there's this cacophony of, of sounds that assault your eardrums from uh, whining uh, uh, band saws, cutting uh, turkey necks, uh, listening to the crickets chirping over in, in a, a live bait box, uh, and people waiting in line to purchase uh, cracklings uh, that are sitting under uh, heat lamps. And uh, there's Jean duos uh, uh, just uh, beckoning you to come in and, and, and uh, uh, just to sample everything that you're smelling. Then he took me out to his uh, smokehouse, and, and there was uh, just a rack, uh, probably two dozen uh, rabbits smoking over oak uh, wood. Uh, just an amazing sight to behold. Uh, so I bought three or four of those and went home and made the smoked rabbit gumbo uh, with andouille sausage that was just terrific. And I've been back dozens of times. Let's talk about cleaning a snapping turtle and the place of the snapping turtle on the Acadiana table. I was driving from Opelousas to Eunice, Louisiana, and again, signs beckoned me. Uh, and this was a little seafood market on the way out of town in Opelousas called Sebastian's West End Seafood. Uh, so I pulled over, and I always carry my camera. Uh, and so I got out just to take some exterior shots. I wasn't even sure they were open. Uh, and then the door burst open, and this, uh, uh, this wonderful lady with pink uh, rubber boots on, uh, those uh, shrimper boots, but she had them in pink, uh, <laughs> came out and said, who are you and what are you taking photos of? Uh, and I told her, and she said, come on in. So I went in, and just this place uh, is one of those seafood markets that uh, is is just a sensory overload. Uh, unlike coastal Louisiana, Opelousas is very much landlocked, uh, and a seafood market there uh, has a different kind of take. Uh, there's freshwater ponds that 
that are growing, uh, that are raising rather, uh, an aquaculture of catfish and uh, and of snapping turtles. Uh, a lot of it's harvested uh, from the Atchafalaya Basin, uh, where farmers and trappers will bring in uh, seafood, uh, alligators, uh, uh, and crawfish, and all of the things that define Louisiana cooking. But on this particular day, she said, bring your camera, come in the back. And there was Troy DeVille uh, in his yellow bib overalls, uh, fixing to take an axe uh, to the neck of a 40-pound snapping turtle. Who was still on the hoof, we'd say. Still on the hoof and and clawing at the air. It was perfect timing, and I started uh, clicking away with my camera, uh, and off came his head, uh, and he began to dismantle this with the precision uh, of any surgeon uh, out there. Uh, It was an amazing sight to see, and uh, quickly understood why he had uh, the bib overalls on, because uh, one pair of cactus later splattered with blood, uh, I found out how messy this is, uh, snapping turtle. But in a 40-pound snapping turtle, uh, there's about 20 pounds of wonderful turtle meat that sells for uh, $10 a pound. Well, they were selling it for $9.99 a pound. And that I was bought a bargain. A, I bought a pound for uh, making a turtle sauce piquant that's in the book, Acadiana Table. So it was a, an amazing thing to see uh, and understand where your food comes from. And I think that's one of the keys of, uh, of my wake-up call and the way that I peel back the layers of the culture uh, is that I want to shake the hand uh, of the man who, who caught the fish or, or cleaned the, the turtle. I want to uh, know who grew uh, my sweet potatoes and what variety they are. And I think that that's one of the real keys uh, to Cajun Creole cooking. George Graham blogger and author of Acadiana Table. When we come back from a short break, we're heading up River Road to Laplace to see just what Chef Jared Zerang's got smoking at Wayne Jacobs Smokehouse. Stay tuned. Tucker, and you're listening to Louisiana Eats, edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Louisiana Eats is brought to you with major support from Camellia Brand, Beans Done Right, a New Orleans tradition since 1923. From Rouse's Markets, synonymous with seafood straight from Louisiana's waterways, Rouse's Markets tastes like home. And from Crystal Hot Sauce, made with three simple ingredients, aged red cayenne peppers, distilled white vinegar, and salt. Nothing artificial. Crystal Hot Sauce, 
how New Orleans does flavor. When Chef Jared Zerang acquired Wayne Jacobs' smokehouse in Laplace, he knew its legacy came with great responsibility. Since the 1950s, the smokehouse has been an institution on the Cajun coast, attracting locals and visitors with the powerful aroma of smoked meat. Jared and his partner, Matt Moreland, have restored the smokehouse to its former glory and have diversified the offerings with things like fresh eggs, smoked hog's head cheese, and smoked dry roux. You want some lunch first, or you want to... Back in 2017, we ventured up to Laplace to see firsthand what Jared and Matt have been up to. We're probably about the fourth or fifth owners, and uh, 1950, Mr. Uh, Nat Jacob started it. He started as a part-time business. I think he worked at one of the plants around here. He worked there, and he just did this like in the season, in um, between October and December when everybody makes gumbos and all the, all the things that, it's, it's our like really, really busy season. Yeah. Then his son took it over and his son opened it up, I think year round. When he had it, it was more of a grocery store. People would come here just to buy their beans and to buy their meats to put in it and all that. Yeah, Laplace yeah. was just cane fields at the time. So this, everything, most of the city, most of the activity was in reserve. Reserve was the busy area and Laplace was starting to grow, it but it was area. a lot of cane fields. Mm -hmm. And so you didn't have your big grocery stores, you didn't have all your big brands that were packaging beans. People either grew it or they got it from somebody that grew it if you were getting it locally. Wow. So we're, I, I think he was original local sourcing. Buying your smoked meats from here is a multi-generational tradition for you. Right. Yeah, my, my grandmother and my uncle, this is the only place they would actually buy any of their smoked meats. And if we got if somebody got their stuff from somewhere else and they ate the gumbo they knew automatically wow. that it didn't have the smoke it wasn't from here <laughs> yeah and we still have the same recipe today and it was you know it was daunting because the biggest the only instructions i got from my family the first thing they said was why would you want to open something out here and then they the next thing they said was don't f it up because that was the only place they had ever shopped for their stuff. So the pressure was, the pressure on. was oh, on. I mean, if I, if I thought the pressure was from the community, the, there was more pressure from my family. Wow. Because this is yeah. as Cajun as it comes. If you yeah. drive along the river, yeah. Cher, this is where the bayou starts. Right. You talk to the, the owners of uh, Laura Plantation, and they say this is the first Acadian coast. It was Acadian before it was German. And we had the, you so. know, you got the bayous to move things around, but we're on the main highway. The river was the main highway. Right. All the courthouses out here are all along the river for that same reason. This is how everybody got anywhere. So it's, it's really how it expanded, and it's amazing meld between the German community selling to the French. Right, because everybody did business in French. So on Dewey, we're actually selling a German sausage, but with a French name. And why is that? because this was a German area. And uh, that was the sausage they brought with them, but everybody did business in French. So they named it after a French sausage. St. Charles, St. John, and St. James were all very German settled communities. 
but they knew who their market was. They knew who they were selling to and the French community was it. And so they took this German sausage, they tweaked it with a little flavor to make it you know, probably late 1800s that they were coming up with their original andouille flavor for around here and they tweaked it for the community and they sold well to the French but they knew they had to sell in French and speak French and selling it with an, a French name made it a lot easier to sell. <laughs> I'm sure that while everything had stayed the same here at Wayne Jacobs there's some things undoubtedly changing so of course. walk us through the, the changes. I think would be number one. Yeah we have about 32 chickens in the back and uh, we sell fresh eggs here and um, we've also planted a lot of things. We've planted sassafras trees in the back because we have um, a guy make that makes filet for us right now. And um, one of his, yeah, he grows red peppers and makes um, fresh red pepper. Um, he grows tomatoes and so all through tomato season, he has a little stand across the street and he also fills the restaurant with tomatoes. And uh, we planted muscadines and uh, planted more pecan trees. Last year we, picked over 200 pounds of pecans from this, this back area wow. and uh, shelled and sold those as well. As you can see, we planted a bunch of citrus. We have blackberries, we have figs. Um, so as many things as we can possibly layer to make this more of a grocery store as it once was, but all things that we actually grow are, are local products. Come here, girl. Oh, we have probably, we have, I think, eight varieties. They're we so have pretty. Bard Rocks, Well Summers, um, Australorp. The reason I got different kinds is because I wanted them to lay different color eggs. How wonderful. Look at them run. That's going to be an olive green egg. We have a, the mixes, the dry mixes here, along with some of our smoked meats, red bean gumbo. We have a roux mix that will make gumbo jambalaya mix. Udon without rice, isn't that a sacrilege? Well, all our non-carb eaters come in and say, okay, I got to the point I need to, I can go back to rice. They get down to their weight point and they get what they want. We try to smoke anything that we can that we think might add um, a layer of flavor to something. This week, the uh, butcher came to me with a, a quart of like flour, dry root, you know, that he had smoked and he smoked the flour and you open it up and it smells exactly like the smoker wow. which is great because you could make meatless <laughs> I know. Gumbos with, with smoked, smoked roux. roux I have never worked with a dry roux before how do you do that Jared cuz I really don't know so with a dry roux you um I would do the vegetables first and then add the roux but you can also treat it like a regular roux. You can add oil to it, and it'll come out the same as a regular oil roux. Um, so, but you just don't have to sit there and stir it, which a lot of people are scared to do. Yeah, it's already dark. Oh yeah, a lot of people are scared to do it. That's the biggest trick about making anything from South Louisiana. Right, it's all about, it's all about the technique and the way that it's done. It's not about the, um, ingredients that you throw in into the pot. I mean, we, we take the least amount of ingredients and make the most of them. From 2017, that was Chef Jared Zerang and Matt Moreland, owners of Wayne Jacobs Smokehouse.
Boudin Noir, also known as Red Boudin, is an increasingly scarce traditional Cajun sausage made with pig's blood. If you're interested in learning more about Boudin Noir and where you can still find it, you should talk with Maggie Hine Richardson, whose book, Hungry for Louisiana, is the ultimate omnivore's journey through our delicious state. You know, I, I loved, I wanted to include Boudin, but I felt like that story had been told, you know, numerous times. And it is certainly on the radar, I think, of national food writers. Calvin Trillin wrote that beautiful piece in The New Yorker many years ago. Um, and, and so I wanted an angle that hadn't been reported. And I also, from the perspective of preserving food traditions, which is, you know, an intention of the book, um, I wanted to look at Red Boudin. And I had been to Bourgeois Meat Market numerous times for stories and just for, for pleasure, for personal grocery shopping, and knew that they made Red Boudin and had tasted it and thought it was fabulous. You know, and this is that Shriver area, so that Bayou country area, that part of Cajun country that is separate from the Acadiana prairie. But Bourgeois has been around. It's probably the oldest Cajun meat market in the state and was established in the late 1800s by the current owner's grandfather. And um, he originally had kind of a, a truck, you know, that he would slaughter one cow or pig at a time, go around this little constellation of small towns in, in the orbit of Shriver, and didn't come home until he sold everything. And so this meat market, you know, evolved into a permanent shop, which was a meat market and slaughterhouse, and, and it's existed ever since and has always sold boudin. And then later added what one of the things that it's most famous for, which is beef jerky. Oh, that beef jerky. Yeah, it's oh, incredible. That is a miracle in meat. Yeah. <laughs> now explain the red boudin. So the red boudin, well, when I started the project, you know, using some of the resources of our mutual friend Sarah Rowan and the Southern Foodways Alliance, looking at the boudin trail that they traced, you know, I knew that there were a few places to start who still made red boudin. So I reached out to all three at the time. Um, one was in Abbeville, one in, in uh, Brobridge, and the other was Bourgeois, which I knew well. And by the time I finished the project, only one was still making um, red boudin, and that was bourgeois. Why do you think that is? Well, I think that regula- federal regulation, state regulation, made it difficult for um, for slaughter for meat markets that were also slaughterhouses to continue to do this. There, it was heavily regulated. You had to have somebody come and check on the harvesting, if you will, of the blood. You know, it had to be done in a specific way when the animal was slaughtered, um, and then its use then in food. You know, it's just it's a heavily regulated. It's expensive. It's a pain. And the truth is, the sort of yuck factor made it less popular, you know, <laughs> among among, um, among consumers. So there was less demand for it, and it just got easier for meat markets, which are a healthy business, uh, you know, but, but probably one that can't afford to spend that much time having meat inspectors come in and, and make sure yeah, that this is Yeah, for something that's a relatively that's right. small piece of their business. Exactly. But, you know, one, one thing that's interesting about that is the rest of the country or the rest of the world, you know, there's plenty of precedent for blood sausage. Yes. And, pl- and, and blood it's incorporated. very, very French. It, and, and the Germans love and, it, too. And in the islands. And, yeah, so... So it's not such an unusual dish, and, I, and I'm surprised, actually, that there hasn't been more of a resurgence of it and for it, um, because it, it's, it's sort of the difference between a hamburger patty made with um, filet, ground filet, and one just made with chuck. I mean, it's just richer oh, yeah. and more wonderfully velvety, but certainly not bloody or gross, you know? Oh, you're making me hungry for some <laughs> right now. Maggie Hine Richardson, 
author of Hungry for Louisiana. On a recent Thursday night at New Orleans Rock and Bowl, our producer Reggie Morris had the opportunity to go backstage and meet Leroy Thomas, band leader of Leroy Thomas and the Zydeco Roadrunners. Leroy shared with us how he came to be known as the Jewel of the Bayou, as well as what fuels the band on and off the road. Hi, my name is Leroy Thomas, also known as the Jewel of the Bayou, and New York Times did give me that name. And I'm the band Leroy Thomas and Zydeco Roadrunners. I'm from Elton, Louisiana, and uh, every each year I give a fans appreciation party, and we cook a huge pot of meatball stew. And you know, with, and we have rice, and we put the gravy and meatballs over the rice, and people just go crazy over it. That, that was my favorite meal as a kid. New York Times, did that, they did an article on you? or Yeah. What, what they were doing, they uh, was advertising me as the Creole cowboy, and I wrote a song saying I'm not a cowboy, you know, and and they would call Keith Frank the Creole cowboy when he'd come, Gino Delafosse the Creole cowboy, and myself the Creole cowboy. So I told him, I said, I'm not a cowboy. So the next time I was in New York, they had a sign on the outside of the, the bar where we was performing, and it said, this jewel of the bayou tonight will have you dancing all night long, and I walked with it. Well, I, you know, I've seen your show a few times, and it seems like there's a there's a good mix in your show. You you, you play a lot of Zydeco, but then you mix it in with some popular songs, and there's some R&B and some funk in there too. So, how'd you come come to that kind of mixture? Yeah, well, well, I noticed when I was just playing Zydeco music, the crowd was there, but then when you start playing a mixture of country, swamp pop, Cajun, Zydeco, and uh, add some slow songs to uh, to your sets, it, it made a big difference, and I and I made that change. Decided to make that change when we start playing mainly back home here in Louisiana. When we're performing, we're judging the crowd. If I throw a God Brooks song in there, and it, the dance floor is still packed, why not? been a band leader for about 33 years? Yes. I, well, I performed in my dad's band 15 years. I was He was the band leader. And I've been on my own about 19. When y'all are on the road, what kind of food did y'all, did y'all eat? Did y'all, I know y'all travel a good bit. Y'all, is it always just finger sandwiches? Well, we perform uh, so far about 42 states and three countries. So when we would go to, like, to New York and Pennsylvania, all that area for two or three weeks, we always stayed like at a two-story house. I didn't want to stay at hotels. I stayed at a homes where we it was like us being at our own home. And they had all the pots we needed. We brought the seasoning, we brought the sauces. We'd cook our own meals on the road. And then at, on a Friday night, I might cook a big old pot of gumbo and we sell that at the show. Yeah, it's fun, man. So you're making money both ways. You're selling music and food. Both ways, and everybody's so honest over there, man. I mean, we cook a big old pot of gumbo, and it's $5 a bowl. If they go for a second bowl, they put another $5 in. When you come to Rock and Bowl, what do you like to eat here? 
Well, we uh, sometimes we just grab a burger, man, if we don't have that much time. We're out here at the Rock and Bowl. Or we go to EO College Inn and grub on whatever we want over there. You know, seafood, whatever you may want. Well, we'd like to thank you for spending some time with us here at Louisiana Eats. Thank you. Leroy Thomas, band leader of Leroy Thomas and the Zydeco Roadrunners. What is a ponce? And how do you eat it? Stay tuned, and we'll answer that question when we come right back. Poppy Tooker, and you're listening to Louisiana Eats, edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Louisiana Eats is brought to you with support from Louisiana Fish Fry, breadings, boils, new air fry mixes, and more classic Louisiana dishes available everywhere. Dig into homemade Louisiana flavor. And from the St. Tammany Parish Tourist Commission, located 40 minutes north of New Orleans French Quarter along the shores of Lake Pontchartrain. The delicious Tammany taste culinary scene and an abundance of soft adventure attractions are among the many reasons to love the North Shore's charming communities. Find details on upcoming events itinerary suggestions, and more at louisiananorthshore.com. Here's this week's culinary quiz question, brought to you with support from Popeye's Louisiana Culinary Institute. What is a ponce? And... How do you eat it? A ponce is one of my favorite bits of Cajun charcuterie. You'll rarely, if ever, see it on a restaurant menu. And even in Acadiana, you need to know where to look for it. The ponce is a stuffed pig stomach. Also, sometimes called a chaudin, they're either fresh or smoked, but nonetheless are a bit of Acadiana magic. A spicy forcemeat of ground pork and seasonings are packed into a cleaned stomach before being sewn up. The ponce can be cooked several different ways. Most are baked in a heavy covered pot with a bit of liquid that transforms itself into a delicious gravy. I love to simmer a whole ponce in my red beans. That's really gilding the lily. So don't be afraid. The next time you stop in a Cajun butcher shop, take that ponce home with you. It's real Louisiana Eats. Yeah, 
I'm Alex Cook, the author of Seat Yourself, best of South Louisiana's local diners, lunch houses, and roadside stops. Alex Cook is an expert on our state's most out-of-the-way, unusual places to experience the very best of true Louisiana cuisine. In his book, Seat Yourself, Alex winds through the back roads of Cajun country, taking readers everywhere, from lunch houses to meat markets, painting a vividly delicious picture for readers to savor and enjoy. I asked Alex to share with us some of his favorite spots, beginning with gas station food. My favorite thing about gas station food, and it's really one of the things that's one of my favorite things about South Louisiana food, is the availability of it. I mean, it's really everywhere at an arm's reach. It's it's almost like uh, pubs in Ireland or something like that. In parts of South Louisiana, there's boudin to be had basically at any stop. And that was kind of the impetus that got this because I was talking to friends of mine from other parts of the country. And their concept of gas station food, that's like, that's the last thing you want to eat. And whereas here, we all have that gas station or convenience store that we know makes awesome chicken wings or makes great boudin or has, you know, yakamane or whatever it is that you're after. There's somebody that happens to work at that convenience store. It's not because this convenience store is a renowned restaurant. This is like a human being who just makes this in their off time and has permission to sell it at the place they work. And to me, that's beautiful. And being in the know on those things, that's that's my favorite thing. So take us to some of your favorite gas stations. Uh, one of my favorites, one of the first ones I went to in this book, uh, it's called Kelly's Sitgo and Bunky. Or it's actually right outside. So it's in the greater Bunky metropolitan area. It's at a corner where there's two gas stations. And I was driving out that way, and I needed gas, and I was trying to figure out where to stop. And I saw this guy, this this hunter. He had just come back from, you know, he was still in uh, camouflage. He had his son with him. They were in the back of the truck. They had the boat back there. They had everything. And uh, I saw them kind of tear through the parking lot into this gas station. And this is a really old gas station. It's got like the mechanical pumps you know yes. the numbers that flip over and i saw them come out with a boudin link and it's like well this guy didn't just like happen on this this guy knows that the boudin here is good and the boudin there was really good i mean the kitchen was it was a dodgy little kitchen back there but this boudin had like a really good cayenne snap to it and um it's really kind of densely packed, which I like in boudin. I don't like it when it's so loose that you're just kind of pulling the meat out of the casing. I like it when you can kind of break it a little bit and eat the chunks. And it was it was really delicious. Now, my favorite gas station is in Gramercy. And, oh, so close by. Oh, man. This gas station's awesome. Uh, Stumps Shell in Gramercy. 
It's kind of right near the Zaps plant. It's on Highway 61 in Gramercy. And uh, I was teaching classes out at one of the chemical plants out there. And so I just, let me go find some lunch. And I stopped there because I saw they had a sign that had boudin on it. But before you even get to the boudin, this place has this parrot that's in this giant cage outside, you know, when the weather's nice. And this parrot imitates all the little, like, walkie-talkie chirps and the, like, cell phone rings. So there's all these guys from the plants out there. And this bird's like, beep, 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 you know, and sounds like exactly <laughs> like your phone. So everybody's checking their phone, all this. It's really funny. So I go in, and they have actually one of the best seafood boudins, which I am is not my preference. But they have a really good crawfish boudin that is really spicy and it's really red. It looks like crawfish in there. They have a shrimp one, too, mm-hmm. that, that is good. It's very mild. Uh, The crawfish one has a lot more bite to it and a lot more body to it. And, I mean, plus you get to go and, you know, be assaulted by this parrot when you go in. So that's that's one of my favorite things in there. Another stop you want to share with us? Um, Well, the best boudin place, it's not really a gas station. It looks like it ought to be a gas station, is the best stop in Scott, uh, Louisiana. They have, I mean, they're arguably the best boudin there is. People will quibble about what's the second best one, but most people are in general agreement that the best stop has it. The day I went out there, uh, I was listening to NPR, and they had they had a story about how Scott, Louisiana was declared Boudin capital of the universe or something like that. And they made mention of the of the best stop. Um, so when I walked in there, I told them, you know, I just heard a thing on the radio that Scott was called the Boudin capital of the universe. And the ladies there were just blank faced. They like could not be less impressed mm. that the rest of the world was into it. That's a beautiful thing about South Louisiana food that they aren't doing it for the rest of the world. This is this is what they do. This is their terra firma. This is their natural thing that they do. And whether the rest of the world catches on to it or not is kind of irrelevant to the practice of it. They're more interested in it for themselves. That's where you go. If you got 30 miles to drive somewhere, you're going to pick that up. It's great food for when you're coming back from drinking all night. There's, there's not a problem that that Alenka Boudin can't readily solve. Last night, I got loaded on a bottle of whiskey. Alex, down-home cooking is something that the whole South is really renowned for. What makes Glenda's Creole Kitchen in Brobridge so special? Glenda's Kitchen is maybe some of the best Creole food. There's a difference between what we think of as New Orleans Creole food and uh, Acadiana Creole food. I think Glenda's is some of the best Acadiana Creole food in there. And the Acadiana Creole food is a lot about, it's really all about the gravy that goes into everything. Everything at Glenda's comes with its own gravy that all has its like individual kind of color, 
pearlescence to it. It's it's all delicious. What she does, a lot of the things will be like a stuffed chicken breast or a stuffed pork chop. And what she means by stuffed is that she just kind of cuts a hole in and stuffs it with herbs or stuffs it with garlic. It's not like having stuffing inside. Yeah. And always comes with rice and gravy. Um, she's got a catfish couvillon that is unreal. And you get this on a plate with some greens and something else, and maybe you got like a stuffed chicken breast or a stuffed pork chop with it. So you get this like sort of uh, psychedelic mirage of gravies that are on this thing. She got her start. She worked for the sheriff's office, and she would bring in her own lunches in there, and everybody at the sheriff's office was like, I want some of that. So she started making lunches for all of them until it became such a thing that they decided you ought to open a restaurant. So it's kind of on the back highway, on uh, Main Highway or LA 31 in Brobridge. It's near Poche's Meat Market, if people are familiar with that. Uh, but it's on that back highway. It's across the street from a uh, rice field. It's a beautiful place. And Alex, you can't forget to have dessert there, can you? No, you can't. And it's on the signs outside of the uh, sweet dough pies. That the that are little small like sweet, little hand pies. Little hand pies, and they are amazing. And if anyone in the universe is a pie aficionado and has not made their way to Leah's lunchroom in Lacombe, oh my gosh, they're really missing out. They, on they something. might need to revoke the title. Yeah, you know? that, yeah. No, no aficionado until you've been there. Tell us about Leah's lunchroom. Well, Leah's lunchroom in Lacombe, Louisiana. Uh, it's on the highway going on right off of I-49. There's not much in LeCamp, uh, or LeCamp, actually, is how they say it. There. Really? Yeah, it's LeCamp. They they got two things there. They make their own hams, and they make their own pies. And that's what you get there. Their ham sandwich is like, and you wouldn't think, like, I'm going to drive all this way for a ham sandwich. You're going to drive all that way for a ham sandwich. Why? It is, well, one, is a delicious, like, fresh, kind of salty, savory ham. It's cut on there the way they dress it. I don't know what kind of magic goes into the dressing for this ham sandwich. It is the perfect ham sandwich. This is like what Elvis orders in heaven when he's hungry, is this ham sandwich. And then the the pies, of course, have, like, you know, an inch and a half of meringue on top. You can get a sweet potato pie. You can get lemon pies. You can get a chocolate pie. The chocolate pie is really my favorite. Well, Alex, I'm so grateful that you spent this time with us to give us this inside scoop on the delicious places of Louisiana. Please come back and talk with us soon. Oh, anytime. Thanks for having me. Alex Cook, author of Seat Yourself, the best of South Louisiana's local diners, lunch houses, and roadside stops. That's it for this week's edition of Louisiana Eats. 
edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Start off the new year right with reservations for Poppy's Pop-Up Drag Queen Brunch at Two Jacks, Sunday, January 30th. Learn more by calling the restaurant at 504-525-8676. Catch up on previous editions of Louisiana Eats on poppytooker.com, where we have 10 years of Louisiana Eats editions available for pod and webcasting, along with recipes and cooking class videos, too. If you like our show, please rate it on your preferred podcast platform. Louisiana Eats is made possible with major support from Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen, Louisiana Fish Fry, Camellia Brand Beans, Crystal Hot Sauce, Rouse's Markets, the St. Tammany Parish Tourist Commission, and from D'Agostino Pasta. Handcrafted in Louisiana from semolina wheat and air-dried over rods in wooden cellars, D'Agostino Pasta is made just as it's been done in Sicily, for centuries. Visit D'AgostinoPasta.com to learn more. Support for Louisiana Eats also comes from Gulf Coast Blenders. For more than 30 years, Gulf Coast Blenders has produced custom spice and dry blends for restaurant concepts across the country. Gulf Coast Blenders, dry ingredient blends with New Orleans roots. To learn more, visit gulfcoastblenders.com. Original theme music composed by David Parmelo and performed by Johnny Sketch and the Dirty Notes. Big thanks to senior producer Joe Schreiner, producer and special projects manager Reggie Morris, and producer Blake Longlinay, and to our business manager and social media maven Maddie Mulladew. Catch up with us anytime on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, too. Louisiana Eats is a production of Poppy Tooker Broadcasting.